about the time she walked away from me. Hopefully you can hear the happy sound there. Hello, is this thing on? Welcome to the Thoughts Inside Our Head podcast. It's been a little bit of a hiatus. Summer's in full swing. I'm joined by Curtis Pruitt. My name's Colby Berg. How is everybody? Kurt, how you doing, man? Good, dude. It's been a minute. Um, Sorry to everyone. We've been busy. Not necessarily busy, but we've been opposite schedules busy, which is kind of a funny thing to deal with. Uh, when you're trying to do a podcast with someone, but it's it's all good. We're back to, we're back on the air right now. We're good. We're great. Everything's fine over here. Yeah, it's kind of a weird thing. Obviously, the the first multiple episodes been based on uh, NBA developments, mixed in with a few other things. And you know, when summer gets into full swing, the uh, the NBA season winds down a little bit. We always had planned that this podcast is going to include much more content and uh, much broader horizons than just the NBA. But yeah, I mean. You know how it is sometimes uh, when it's summer vacation, you want to get outside, be in the sun, doing family stuff. You have a uh, – actually, I'm not even going to say it. I'll let you make the announcement as we're a little bit further on in the progression of a uh, child, we should say. Yes. So if you want to let the world know what's going on there. Uh, Yeah, so crazy things have been happening. Episode one that no one's listened to, I actually talk about how I got a bit of news that I was really excited about, and that news was pregnancy. Uh, Emily – my beloved wife Emily and I are expecting our first baby boy. Let's go! Let's go! Uh, really excited about that. But yeah, it's it, it's crazy. Just I don't know, man. It's something you'll experience soon. But being able to I, those ultrasounds are great with the doctor. But we went to this other place that actually sits down with you and shows it. And I saw the child move, the baby boy move. We don't have a name yet, so we're just gonna refer to him as baby boy. Um saw him actually move and have this like personality and everything that involves what you don't think as a man is. And that's this, this tiny little human inside your wife's belly. And it was the most surreal thing ever. Uh, we actually get to go see him again on Monday next week. And I, it it, like gets me through work and everything just, you know, every month being able to go see him and we're so excited. So shout out to baby boy Pruitt, shout out to my wife, lovely Emily Pruitt being able to grow this thing. Uh, we're getting through it. Pregnancy is crazy. I'm sure we can go into that, uh, into more detail in a further episode when we talk about what it's like being the husband through pregnancy. We could even bring Emily on if we want, but, uh, it's, it's awesome, man. Um, yeah. What are you up to? What's going on over in Berg world? Dude, not a whole lot. We're going to kind of dive into this a little bit, but uh, man, I mean, obviously in the offseason, I'm a baseball fan, so I've been tuning into some baseball. Uh, the Diamondbacks traded our best pitcher and Zach Granke to the Astros. The Astros are probably going to win it all. Um, I don't want I know people don't care about baseball, but I love baseball, and so it's been kind of fun to, to watch a little bit of that. Um, there are a couple things that you know, we'll get into, obviously. Uh, I've been uh, dating a little bit, and we have a little segment that's going to be dedicated to the the travails, the ups, the downs, the funny stories of, <laughs> of dating um, called the grass is greener segment. And so we'll, we'll, we'll kind of explain what that's all about and get into that in a second. Um, been reading a lot of books. I've uh, developed a nightly walking routine. And uh, yeah, I get to bed at about 9 o'clock every night these days. So we got to get those eight hours oh, yeah. in. Oh, yeah. And summer's, summer's been good. But uh, but yeah, before we before we dive in, we have a, we have a few different segments planned. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna have a little uh, like I say, the grass is greener segment for, from an agenda standpoint, where uh, we'll share either a funny, you know, we, you know they always say the grass is or isn't greener, 
And so from a perspective of a single person, obviously you're married as you just got into, we'll have a, some funny stories about either marriage or being single in the dating life and all that good stuff. And I think people out there, probably less people now will be able to relate to my stories. If anything, they'll probably just be more of a, it might be a pity show. <laughs> Mostly people saying, wow, I'm glad I'm not dating anymore. I'm glad I'm not single. And then people obviously be able to relate to your stories too. So that's uh, that's the grass is greener segment. Um, before we dive into there, we do we can't it can't be a podcast without giving Damari Carroll a shout out and then talking about uh, so shout out to the senior swag daddy. But ultimately, um, let's just chat about Donovan real yes. quick. Team USA is getting ramped up. A lot of people uh, don't know that this is the summer of the World Cup. And so it's not the Olympics, but Team USA still gets together. They've been practicing. And Donovan, because a lot of the maybe bigger names in the NBA, like James Harden, Dame Lillard, a lot of guys have dropped out for one reason or another. Uh, Donovan is emerging is probably the most exciting player on Team NBA, according to national sources and sources that have been in the scrimmages, in the games. And so, dude, our guy's taking the national scene. How do you feel? This is good for us, I think, right now. Uh, it's such a long wait for the season, and we need something to kind of put that – I guess it's a Band-Aid for a wound that needs stitches, right? Like, we're just all waiting. Uh, we're taking our time for the season to start, but this is really good to act, at least get some hype, and it puts some some sort of quantifiable, I guess, relation to what Donovan's been up to. Uh, you get all the reports coming out. Bill Simmons put out a podcast that we were all texting about. Um, him and Windhorse are talking about how Donovan's – the guy that everyone's excited about at Team USA. And what's really exciting is, A, he's playing against a bunch of other young talent, and he uh, it sounds like he's dominating. B, he's working with Greg Popovich, which arguably is the best coach of all time. Uh, and if you have your star player that's a young budding star and you're able to work with a different mind, I'm not bringing down Quinn at all. I think Quinn is one of the best coaches in the league. But you're able to bring in another mind and have him learn as well. Is such a positive. And then just being able to like feel the Donovan hype. Other th- he's it, Team USA is really the only thing that's going on right now, so it's getting a lot of national media attention. His shoes came out. Uh, he keeps putting out different colorways, and there's just so much Donovan hype this offseason that just is getting me so much more excited for the Jazz. And then we're going to be able to watch him and hopefully you know bring home the World Cup for Team USA. Uh, it, it's just, it's just fantastic. I, I can't say how excited I am because it's just been so much fun. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm super stoked. I know at first I was a little, a little worried because with everybody dropping out, Donovan's going to play a ton, which is cool, but also kind of scary yeah. just given the fact that we want him to be fully healthy. But, uh, the way that a lot of trainers and things in the league have actually come out and said that they'd prefer that their guys are actually playing at the level and at the consistency that Team USA will be playing at leading into things, then they can kind of drop things down a little bit during the preseason and then and then everybody's in, you know, has their legs under them for the, the regular season. But, uh, I mean, everybody says that Donovan's stronger, um, that he's a lot more explosive, um, pretty much that he well, he's taking better shots. A lot of the things that people are saying are, hey, he looks just like Dwayne Wade in Dwayne Wade's third season. And, of course, that's, I mean... That would be unbelievable. We'll see what happens. I feel like really everything is lined up perfectly for something like that to happen. I keep thinking that this is going to be an even more breakout year for Donovan just with the the other position players that we've added. So I'm stoked. But uh, I think Team USA actually kicks off against Spain tonight at 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock so our time? We're recording this on Friday. Yeah, so 10 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock our time. And so uh, 
I think it'll be huge for Donovan if he can have uh, if he can have you know some big games now and then. Of course, when I think this is just like kind of a a friendly you could call it not to not to link it to soccer, but I think it's like a exhibition kind of a exhibition game. Yeah, thank you yeah. in Los Angeles. So cool. Anyway, we're stoked. But yeah, man, like I say, it's uh it's it's been uh, a summer where. You know, it's kind of been long, and so, like I say, we've been focusing on other things, and and one of those things, obviously, <laughs> it sounds sick to say it. I don't even know how I'm going to communicate this over a podcast, but during the regular season, like, I maybe miss three or four games. Right. And so, you know, with 82 games, that's like 82 nights, and I honestly prioritize jazz games over dating sometimes, and so it's, it's, it's insane to say. I know it, but... Uh, I enjoy watching the jazz. And so sometimes, you know, it's a lot more fun for me to come home from work, make myself some dinner, tune in to, to Harpering and Bowler Jack's pregame and, and maybe not worry about where I'm going to take some random girl on a date. So I don't. But that said, uh, summer means uh, more opportunities to, to go on dates and do other things. And so we're going to get into this grass is greener segment real quick. And uh, we'll kind of share things. So I have kind of a funny dating story. Let's hear it. So hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me yeah. let me set the stage a little bit. Okay. Berg talks to me quite a bit. You talk to me quite a bit about you know dating and things you go through. So I I know some of these stories already, and they're hilarious. And I think people are really going to enjoy it. And I just want to give a shout out to you being brave enough to talk about these things. Uh, I mean like. You know, who knows if these girls that you're dating end up listening to the episode and if they find out if they're them or if maybe things have sailed already and you don't have to worry about that. But either way, dude, uh, I uh, shout out to you for, for doing this. I think it's going to be fun. And uh, everyone, let's let's just sit down and listen to Burke's story and have him tell uh, us how the grass is or isn't greener in this situation. I'm going to say, well, yeah, I, guess, I think that's going to be to be determined by the end of the story. But yeah, I will always protect the names of the innocent or guilty. Uh, so no names will be shared by these girls. If you're listening, shout out to you. I hope you're doing great. Um, yeah, I'm not going to go further there. And yeah, honestly, I was kind of going back and forth about whether I want to share these things or not. And this one is particularly embarrassing on my end. And for those of you that know me and the interesting relationship that I have with, well, a few different things. We'll get into it. So ultimately, this is a couple weeks ago. And I met this girl on the Hinge app. Shout out to Hinge. It's kind of all the rage lately. It's actually pretty solid. Do you know much about Hinge? No. Can you tell me the difference? So I know so I know the dating apps, uh, Tinder obviously, and I know Bumble. Bumble, the difference is the girl have, has to talk first. Uh, then there's the mutual one here that's pretty exclusive to Utah about the, you know, it's the LDS people getting on and looking for other people that have such beliefs and then I have no idea what hinge is. So you can kind of give me a little lowdown on that. Yeah. So yeah, Tinder's the basic one. Tinder's trash. I don't use it, but, uh, basically you run into people's, pro- you set up a profile, you run into other people's profiles. If you click like on them and they click like on you, it'll notify both of you. But if you click like on them and they don't click like on you, they'll never get notified that you like them. That's Tinder. Bumble is where it's, you can like as a guy, if I swipe right, if I click, uh, swiping right means clicking like essentially. And if you do that to a girl, um, and then it basically is fully dependent upon her. 
it doesn't notify her if she likes you, but your profile does come across her. And if she swipes right, then it notifies you both. And then she has to start the conversation. That's Bumble. They sponsor the Los Angeles Clippers. That's the patch. It's kind of ridiculous, but it's very fitting for LA. It's kind of funny. <laughs> um, yes, Mutual is similar to Tinder, except for it's just for LDS people. Mutual was hot for a little bit. Unfortunately, it's, uh, it's come off a little bit for one reason or another. Now the new thing is Hinge. Hinge is – I've developed a profile. It has some pictures. It has like some uh, some like ways to share something about yourself. Um, so I talk about hating sushi and random other things. I don't know. Anyway, I'll, scro- I'll run into profiles of girls, and if you swipe right on them or if you click like, it actually does notify them, and then they have the option to either like you back or to not. If they don't like you back – if I like a girl and she doesn't like me back, I never find out. I just we just never match. But if she does, then we match. Ultimately, long story. Now, if you're if you've been married for a while, you you know the latest on uh, the dating apps. And so, if you have uh, people that bring them up, at least you're more informed. So you're welcome. Thank you. But I met this girl on Hinge, and uh, she she's pretty cool. Our first date, uh, we just it was just a quick froyo, of course. Uh, not trying to lock him up for the for a long hey, night. Hey, so we hey, just hey. hit up some froyo. Shout out cake batter, delicious. They had cake batter, yeah. and I got some. Let's I got go. that with a yes. little bit of cookies Sh- and cream. Shout with out cake some batter. Mm. Did you go to Munchies or or uh, what's the other? No, we went to Yogurt Land. Yogurt Land, right, 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 right. That's your home. That, if anyone wants to know, that's Berg's home court is Yogurt Land and Bountiful. Okay, go on. Yeah, it, once upon a time, you could have argued that I had a tent set up somewhere in back for how much I was there. Um, not just on dates, whether it's by myself or with friends. But yeah, I haven't been much lately. But I did go with this girl, and it was cool. And then the next day, we went on a hike. And honestly, I'm not one to really have a whole lot of like a quick follow, uh, follow-up date like so quickly. But we, we got along really well um, the first night at Froyo. And we, we spent a lot of time talking. And there was a little bit of chemistry there, and we had a lot of things in common, including our appreciation for the outdoors. And so uh, we decided to go on this hike, uh, and we went on the hike. It's in Bountiful up near Elephant Rock. Shout out to anybody that knows where that is. And we had a good time. It's like a three-mile up, three-mile back hike, so six miles. And we were just kind of vibing back and forth. The conversation was great. It wasn't awkward. We had a good time. And I hadn't eaten at all that day. And so I had like gone to the gym. I actually went on a walk before the date. Um, and then we ended up going on this hike. And so I am absolutely famished by the time we're done. I actually checked my watch. I'm sick. I had like 25,000 steps, which is crazy for me. I never get that many. And uh, I, hadn't, I hadn't like eaten all day. So I'm like, oh, I cannot wait for Cafe Rio. I didn't necessarily want to invite her because I didn't want to like we had spent like three or four hours together on a second date. That's that's a good amount of time and so there's this kind of feeling where it's like the end of the we finished the hike at like six o'clock and so there was this kind of like uh what's going on like should i have her like should i invite her to come or are we just kind of done for the day and i was like eh, you know what we'll, we'll call it a day for now and you know we'll hang out later whatever so um ultimately i'm like you know give her a goodbye hug had a good time whatever had a great time and i'm driving to cafe rio and for those of you that know me, they know I love Cafe Rio. Um, it's probably my favorite spot to just like, as far as like getting a quick dinner, a quick lunch. I'm probably there a few times right. a month. And just so people know, Cafe Rio's next door to Yogurtland. That's right. It is, yeah, they're next door neighbors. It really is the perfect back to back combination. Anyway, so I, I pull up to Cafe Rio and she, 
like she texted me and I was like, oh, you know what? Like I should probably text her and have her come down and get her something to eat. Like I, I just kind of felt like that would be the right move after I left. And so I'm like, because she lived pretty close. And so I send her a text and I'm like waiting in line. Hey, you should come down to Cafe Rio. The line's long. Like let's get something to eat. And the worst thing happens. <laughs> so she calls me. My phone rings and I'm like, that's fine. I answer it. And she's like, hey, you should come up to my house because like my family just grilled a ton of fish. We've got some shrimp. We've got some lobster. We've got all this seafood and it's way good. So you should come up. And I'm laughing. My heart, my heart sinks. So literally on this hike. I had told her that, okay, first of all, everybody listening, I have a weird relationship with food. Kurt is, as my former roommate, can, testi- can testify to this. I'm super, I'd say selective now. I probably had a food phobia when I was a kid. Like, I hadn't tried a salad. I hadn't tried, I still to this day have never tried ranch dressing. I don't know what ranch dressing tastes like. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> Bert, all right, hold on. Colby didn't have his first hamburger till he was 17 years old. Right, I hadn't had my first yeah. taco till I was twenty. Oh. I hadn't had like what? it's it that's a whole story for a whole other day. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. That said, I've still never had lobster. I think I've caught the shrimp like twice at Teppanyaki, and it tastes like literally delicious chewed up nickels. Is what <laughs> it reminds me of. And I've never had salmon. I've had like halibut. I think is the only fish I've ever had. And literally on the date, I told her like we were kind of joking about where we like to eat and stuff, and I'm like, yeah, I like to eat healthy, like. But I, I can't stand seafood. Like I can't stand the smell. I can't stand anything. And I like kind of went on a little uh, – and we'll, we'll use the term diatribe. Diatribe is the correct word in this case on how lame su- seafood is, how lame sushi is, yada, yada, yada. Literally an hour and a half later, she calls me and says, hey, come up to eat seafood and sushi. <laughs> and in my head, I'm like well, I'm literally at my favorite place to eat right now and I kind of like this girl. And so – it's way selfish of her to call me right now. And I'm not going to say selfish, but I was thinking screw her for putting me in this position where I have to choose her or Cafe Rio and not just her, but her and the food that comes along with it. Yeah. And so – But but shout out I, to her because I would say 99% of the time, the precedence before this has been you would choose Cafe Rio, right? Oh, 100% of the time. Right. 100% of the right. time, I'd say – Oh, no. So I'd make up a lie and say, sorry, I already ordered. Like, I'm going to eat here yeah. just to get out of it. Yeah. But with this one, I was like, gosh, dang it. Gosh, dang it. I'm like looking at the menu. I'm like staring outside, looking at the menu again, staring outside again, completely torn. She's on the phone and people are looking at me in the in the cafe real like, is this kid going to like, what's he going to do? <laughs> like, as far as like ordering, they don't know what's going on. And I, I've never been more torn in my life. Because I was so hungry, and I know if I go up there and eat, that it's not going to satisfy my hunger. It's not Cafe Rio, and like I've already like I was already mentally invested in eating that chicken salad and probably some steak too, to be honest, with some guacamole. Ultimately, and for, I know for those of you that know me, know that this is this is probably the hardest decision I've made in who knows how long. <laughs> I decided to, I did it, man. I was like. All right, I'm coming up. I hung up the phone. I hung my head. I walked very slowly out of those Cafe Rio doors. I even turned around and looked at him as I was walking away, (laughs) knowing what I had just gotten myself into. Cue up the rainy day music. It was so sad. I was so bummed. Just like 
Everybody that's listening, think about what your favorite meal is and think about thinking about your favorite meal on a six-mile hike and then think about whatever your least favorite meal would be or whatever, like, the least appetizing thing that someone could put on your plate and just know and think of the feeling of having what you wanted and what you've thought about the entire day after a lot of physical exercise, have it just pulled right out from under you and they just put it in front, put the the worst plate in front of you, your, your least favorite thing. And that's what happened to me. So I drive up there and um, she's living with her family for the summer. She's, she's in college or whatever. Actually, she's in grad school, so she's a little bit older, but um, she was with her family for the summer. And so I go in, um, obviously introduce myself to the family. Uh, it's all good. Her family's super cool. Nothing wrong with that. And then there's the salmon. There's the lobster. There's the shrimp. So... I ended up making a little bit of a rice thing. They had some rice, so I filled up the plate with some rice. I chucked a thing of salmon on there. I had some pineapple and some teriyaki on top, and I'm just like, all right, let's just go. So I just made it look like my plate was full without – I wasn't going lobster. Lobster, honestly, <laughs> I still have never tried lobster. I'm not going to because it looks like it's just a mess to deal with, and I don't care for anybody that's judging I'm me. I'm on the like, complete I, opposite end of this. Lobster's delicious. Yeah, but it just – there's a lot of effort. You have to burn more calories trying to open that sucker up than it is just to eat it. Just let me have a fork. Let me have a knife. Let me cut into my thing. Let me eat it. I don't need all the work. I don't need to get shot in the eye by the juice. Just let me me get at it. Lobster's not – I would agree with that on crab because crab legs you have to like dig and scrape. But lobster, if you just get the nice chunk of it, it's not too bad. But I'm yeah, not trying to convince know. you. I'm not trying to convince you here. I'm just saying you're you're wrong. Um, I'm I'm just gonna say that like I wouldn't eat a scorpion, and all lobsters are are scorpions of the ocean. They're worse. So. They're worse. They're sea bugs, dude. They're, <laughs> they're way worse, but they're delicious, man. I I don't know, man. I I I'm not. We're not gonna get into your crazy food weird, like backwards. I I don't even know if it's backwards. I don't know what you are with food. I'm not gonna get into this. Just finish your story for the people that don't know me that well i'm actually not that picky anymore i'm still anti-seafood and i don't like condiments but other than that i'll eat anything um but anyway (laughs) um so yeah whatever we go sit down and i take and everybody says that salmon's like super fishy and that's what i didn't like because i hate the smell of fish like when you walk by like the fish tank at albertson's it literally smells like just garbage anyway i took a bite i had some teriyaki sauce and some pineapple some diced pineapple on top that Mm. was fresh Honestly, the salmon was way freaking good. I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. Cutting the piece and like sticking it in my mouth was, I didn't know what to expect, but it was honestly way freaking good. And honestly, I went back and got another piece of salmon after that one was gone. Wow, a man converted. I'm converted to salmon. Now, I haven't had salmon since, and so I don't know if it was like a one-off thing. I don't know. if So for anybody out there that has good salmon recipes that make it not taste fishy, let me know. Or some good places to eat salmon where it's not super fishy. I'm happy to hear that too. But ultimately, the rest of the night was good. We had a good time. Like we talked some more, whatever. It was good. We had a good dinner. And and that was that. But just the fact that the whole leaving Cafe Rio to go eat fish was a big move for me. Big steps. And it's just one of those things that you kind of like – and she realized as soon as – and it's funny. She told me as soon as I got to the door – she totally realized that I told her that I, I hated seafood and she was feeling super anxious and embarrassed <laughs> that I would literally tell her that an hour and a half before it. And so I'll say shout out to her for still having the courage to invite me up after a long hike because we had a good time. Shout out to me for dropping Cafe Rio to go try salmon and have a good time and further pursue 
the date. And so that was a good time. Yeah. And shout out salmon. Yeah. So shout out salmon. Shout out shout lobster. Out me, shout out her. <laughs> shout out lobster. And shout out not no shout out to the scorpions of the sea but uh that was it's just one of those things you know it's like it's one of the funny things about dating that maybe you have to be there to laugh about it yeah but at the same time i think i think everybody can maybe identify a little bit with what happened and and it was kind of a a classic dating story especially for people that know me so anyway that was uh that was in this case the grass turned out to be greener i don't know if it was better than cafe rio because i love it i'm just kidding it actually was it was really good but uh, yeah, that's that, man. That's that. So more, more stories to come as uh, more failures come, I'm sure. So, but that's, that was a, that was the story of the day. That's great, dude. Seriously though, shout out to you for, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone, whether or not people think it's kind of ridiculous that that comfort zone involves eating <laughs> salmon or not. <laughs> um, I fully realized everybody that that sounds insane. Yes, so if there's anything if thinking, I can, I'm insane. If I could say one thing about Colby Berg is that he's very self-aware and he's not like ignorant to the fact that he think it's like weird that he doesn't eat or have, you know he, he just understands where he fits in the world. So I'm it's not like this is like super crazy for anyone but it is for you. So shout out to you stepping out of your comfort zone. Uh that's that's part of dating. That's honestly part of life. So good for you, man. Thanks, dude. <laughs> Appreciate it. Oh man. Um uh, that's funny. So what I've been up to um, this summer is having a pregnant wife. And for anyone who's been through pregnancy or anyone, uh, that who's like me, who thinks pregnancy is what you see through TV or movies, it's completely different. It's not morning sickness. It's sickness 24 seven. It's exhaustion 24 seven. So we tried to get out as much as we could, but a lot of our time was spent either watching TV or movies. And for anyone who knows me, movies are a big part of my life regardless, so I'm okay with that. Uh, also eating treats, side note. Yes, treats, fantastic. Uh, I- shout out Crumble, shout out uh, Froyo, shout out Hakulia's, what is that, Frozen? Uh... Does Emily have the cravings, like treat cravings? No, she she's on the opposite. She thinks all food's gross. And what sucks, the only thing she craves is, uh, it's this barbecue that's only in Orem called Bam Bam's. She only craves their turkey. It's the weirdest thing. And so there's been a couple times where we've had to drive out in the middle of traffic to Orem, which is usually oh. only about 25 minutes from her house, but it takes about an hour when there's traffic uh, so she can get that for dinner. But there's been like sympathy weight for me isn't like I'm eating with my wife all the time. The sympathy weight that I've been trying to avoid is we'll order two meals and then she takes two bite of hers. And because I'm such a cheapskate, I'm going to eat both things because I don't want that to go to waste. Right. So, right. So yeah, it's funny. I was gonna say like the only benefit of having a pregnant wife, aside from the fact that obviously a child is growing and someone that you'll love and cherish forever, is the fact that chances are she has lots of treat cravings and it's a great excuse to eat them. But you don't even get that. It's, but no, it's, I guess you do. You do get seconds of whatever meal she thinks is gross. So right, and it's still probably a win. If you could say as anything, long as it's not salmon. <laughs> Salmon's great, dude. I I crave that myself. I'm not pregnant. Um, if there's anything about Emily is she loves sugar and baked goods. And now that she doesn't, it's like completely like she's a different person. It's, it's hilarious. Um, but we've been spending a lot of time watching movies, which I'm fine with. And one thing we want to do with this podcast, right. Is talk about everything and anything. And it's right. because movies are such a big part of 
my life especially, and you like a good flick, you like a good TV show too. Uh, it's it's a big part of entertainment. Something other than just the jazz we can talk about. Um, it, there's going to probably be a few times where I want to talk about movies, and so I'm going to talk about one right now. I don't know. We can come up with a funny segment name. We we, we love alliteration, so we can come up with something about. I don't know what this what we'll call this, but I went and watched Once Upon Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, so this movie came out a few weeks ago. I saw on opening night, so it's probably a little bit old news in a way, at least through all like the media, I guess, uh, outlets and things like that. But I I wanted to talk about this, and I've seen a few other movies since then. But something about this movie I just truly truly loved. Uh, first of all, it's Tarantino, and I feel like anytime Tarantino puts out a movie, you got to talk about it, whether you like him or not. And, you know, secondly, I just love this for a completely different reason than I usually do love movies, right? Like, I love a lot of movies, but every so often, something like this comes out where you love this thing, like, to the core of what it is. And this movie, I came in with completely different expectations, and sometimes that ruins movies for me, but... Uh, it actually turned out to be a good thing, and it's just a fairy tale, really, about what happens in Hollywood in 1969, and that's like at the end of the golden age of Hollywood is what they call it, and really, it's a period piece, and at the same time, it's a fairy tale, which I kind of try to explain the best I can. I'm not like some crazy movie critic, but uh, we, we kind of meet these characters, and it's just set in a good point, or a weird point of time in their lives where like things are, are winding down for Brad Pitt and Leo, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, who are the two stars in this. And I don't want to give any, any spoilers. So I'm trying to dance, dance around things here, but, uh, the, the, the fairy tale as- aspect will make sense once you see it. Uh, mostly because the story is not like a real story in quotes. It's not real. Um, some different things happen than what happened in reality. Uh, but a first, a, a few fire takes here, right? The first one is, uh, everyone knows Leonardo DiCaprio and everyone knows Brad Pitt and they, they've known him for 30 plus years or around 30 years now. And I don't know if this is a fire take or not, but these, this perform each performance respectively might be my favorite performance by each actor. So this is my favorite Leo performance and my favorite Brad Pitt performance, which is crazy because they have these insanely, uh, awesome filmographies, right? So uh, just being able to sit down and watch these two was so freaking enjoyable throughout the entire thing. It's a long movie, but it's great. Uh, so basically, Leo's playing this guy at the end of his career. It's the end of the, end of his prime, if you're looking at it in, through a sports lens. And Brad Pitt's already kind of past his prime, but they've been together through the whole thing. Brad Pitt's a stuntman. And uh, after mulling over each performance in my head, Kolb, I'm trying to sit here and think about, okay, who do I think actually stole the movie? And who do I think is going to come away like being remembered more for their performance? And I'm going to give the edge in my mind to Brad Pitt. Um, I think they're they're going to both be nominated come award season, and I and I really hope that this kind of gives Brad a resurgence in terms of his acting ability. I hope it gives him his award for best actor. I think he won some producer award or something for. I think it was 13 Years a Slave. Uh, but I I would really like to see him get uh compensated for his performance on this. Uh, and like I said, I wanted to revamp his career. And what I mean by that is he's kind of just been this handsome guy in movies and he has another movie coming out called Ad Astra. Everyone write this down Ad Astra. I think it's coming out in a month or so. Um, and I can't emphasize this enough. I'm fully subscribed to Ad Astra. And when it comes out, uh, that movie looks awesome. It looks amazing. So everyone go watch the, the preview for that. 
Um, but in terms of, I can't, I can't help but think it's the next Interstellar based on kind of yeah. the hype of like so, different things. But anyway, go ahead. So no, I, what I'm getting a weird vibe is I don't know if anyone has seen the movie Apocalypse Now or have, has read the book uh, Heart of Darkness. I think that's where that that movie's gonna go. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's great. You can go in with no expectations, but I kind of have a feeling uh, that's where those are gonna go or that movie's gonna go. Um. But in terms of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I think Brad just brings this charisma and humor that he used to to bring to almost every performance. And now uh, for this role specifically and being with Quentin Tarantino, which uh, people remember he teamed up with in Inglorious Bastards, which is probably up until this point my favorite Brad, Pitt's, Brad Pitt performance. Um, he just freaking nails it and it's so much fun. Uh, Leo's phenomenal as well. I don't want to like look over his part. Uh, he, he goes through this mental roller coaster that's just so funny. Uh, there's a thing that Tarantino does, and, and there's a specific scene in this movie too that you can really see this, where he lets, I guess, the scene kind of marinate, if that makes sense. He doesn't rush through things. So it could feel long, but at the same time, you, you're watching this unfold. And it's this scene where uh leo's character is reading just on set with this child actor they're reading their own books and the way that scene unfolds might end up being uh one of my favorites in the entire movie uh it's so it's so funny so shout out to leo big time for this performance uh another take i'm going to throw out here which is interesting i'll try and break this down as best i can i have so many it's funny okay plug here for uh the podcast i have so many thoughts inside my head about this right now but um another thing about this movie is it's a sincere movie, and I know that's pretty normal to say about um, a quote-unquote love letter type movie to a period of time. But when it's Quentin Tarantino, it's pretty strange to say uh, that his movie's sincere. But uh, there's there's this character in it, uh, Sharon Tate. And for those of you who do not, do not know who Sharon Tate is, she's an actress who uh, was on the up and up at the be- in the late... 60s and she ends up getting brutally murdered by uh oh what's that guy's name charlie manson's followers right so uh she's she's in this movie and she's played by margot robbie who i'm a big fan of and the sincerity comes actually from this character and there's there's another scene that i really love where she goes and watches her own movie with just everyday folks and she's reacting to how they're loving her performance and uh Tarantino actually keeps the original Sharon Tate performance uh, in the movie, so they're watching, you know, the actual movie of her, and and it and it really was just kind of like a shout out to the times and a shout out to Sharon Tate as the actress and not as the victim, and uh, just th- that scene with Margot's reactions and stuff really was one of my favorite scenes in the past uh, few years, I would say maybe the past five years, um, and I'm not going to dig too much more into this. I've been going on and on forever. I feel like I'm ranting, but all I'm going to say is that I loved it. Uh, I haven't left a movie in a long time where I immediately wanted to go back and watch the movie right again. And uh, this movie actually did that for me. Um, It's long. Don't get me wrong. So when you go into this, know you're going to be in for a a longer movie. It might feel like things drag on. There's like 30 minutes of Brad Pitt just driving through 1969 Hollywood, which in my opinion is perfectly fine. But uh, if you haven't seen it yet, Bird, go see it or wait till it comes out. But definitely see it at some point. Uh, so that's that's uh, my little breakdown, I guess, of a movie that I loved and hopefully everyone else will go see and love. If you want to talk about it, text me, tweet me, whatever you want to do. I'm always down to talk about movies, specifically ones I love. Um, so yeah, Berg, that's a movie. You want to talk about a book? That, 
Yeah, I was going to say that's funny because the, literally the only thing I knew about that show was probably four or five days ago. Or no, it was – honestly, it was last week. I get a picture message from Carson Morley. Shout out to Carson. Shout out Morley. Um, Shout out of, Coach. Of a bowl of – it's of a bowl of popcorn at the theater, a big tub of popcorn I should say. <laughs> and he's like – and he, he just – it's the caption with the picture just said, thanks to Todd and Stace. For those of you who don't know, those are my parents. Apparently, they sat next to each other at Once, in a, once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, and, really? Uh, my parents bought him popcorn, so Hilarious. I uh, I didn't know how it was. Of course, uh, Carson's not listening to this, so I can say pretty confidently that uh, his critical eye for movies probably isn't the most refined. He said he hated it. Um, for so you know, guys like Carson probably hate it. People with more refined views like Kurt uh, probably love it. I'm always entertained by pretty much any movie at all, so I'm sure I'll love it uh, when I tune in. Right now, I'm I'm binging Breaking Bad. When I say binging, I mean watching two to three episodes a week, and it's great. But uh, fantastic, but yeah, great man. show. Shout out, shout out TV. Shout out uh, anything that you love that entertains you. I fully understand why Carson probably didn't love it. Uh, different points of views, you know. It, it it's not like I'm I'm not trying to sit here and say I'm some like elitist. Some people like things, some people don't. Uh, but shout out to anyone who loves people who do who does creative things. Um, when, Amen. One thing that I think we always do, Berg, is try and spend money and support those people, whether it's buying CDs, buying books. Uh, I do I, – I may or may not sometimes download a movie here and there, but I do see a ton of movies in theaters. Do anything that you can to make sure that these people are super talented and super creative can at least you know uh, get, get by on being able to do that and do what they love. So shout out creative Amen. people. Amen. Yeah, we don't have to bring up the <laughs> – We'll turn a negligent eye towards the emails I received from Comcast about some someone on my I what is it, IP address downloading Rick and Morty at three in the morning. Doesn't sound like anything a to season, me. Season desist letter. Doesn't sound like anything to me. That's for sure. I don't. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. The neighbors stole the Wi-Fi. It's so it's nuts, crazy. But that's right. We changed the password, so we're good. But but yeah, man. Um, so we've got. Uh, the yeah kp's kp's movie reviews which uh seriously um if there's anybody you should trust when it comes to movies it's kurt so you should go tune in to to the movie i know i'm going to um one thing that i like to do and have been getting more into i've always loved reading both of us have to be honest but college kind of threw that off because we're always having to study for textbooks and the last thing we wanted to do after studying is reading um but now that a lot of the obviously school's over um, a lot of the, the certification things I need to do for the world of finance have been completed, thankfully. And so I've been getting, getting into reading a little bit more. And when I say reading, I mean some books. I have some books and I do also have Audible. And so I've, I've been cruising through uh, quite a few books on Audible lately and thought that it'd be fun to, uh, to have a little segment called Berg's Book Club. And I can just kind of chat uh, briefly about a couple books that I've read recently. And so the first, I actually just finished a book yesterday called Never Split the Difference. Negotiations as if your life depended on it. And it's by Chris Voss. Chris Voss was the head uh, hostage negotiator with the FBI. And so it's a really, really fascinating book for anybody that obviously none of us are actually negotiating for the hostages or for the lives of others that have been held hostage. And if you are, that's a really cool job. And I'm sorry that, you know, you have to deal with something like that. But for the most of us, our lives are full of like 
you know, minor negotiations on a daily basis, whether you're in sales or whether you're buying a car, I, I might may or may not be in the market for a, a new vehicle. And so I found this book, it was eight hours long, super interesting. And basically what he does is he goes through a bunch of different negotiation tactics and conversation tactics and how to basically by using psychology, how to frame your arguments and how to set up a way for you to really walk away with, you know, what you're looking for. Um, instead of coming away with like, you know, he's, he's kind of anti the win-win attitude. Um, there's, there's ways to go about negotiations where you pretty much get everything you need. And it was actually really fascinating to listen to because he, with each chapter and each principle that, uh, that he shared about negotiation, he shared a, a real life story about some hostage situation that he learned that principle from, or was able to implement that specific principle from. And so not only are you learning tactics about negotiation, but you're kind of hearing these real world stories of high leverage situations, whether they're bank robberies, um, whether they're, again, just various hostage type things, whether you're buying a car, whether you're whatever. And so um, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss for anybody that's just interested in, in different communication styles and wants to be able to maybe become a little more effective when trying to get something to go their way. Uh, it's highly, highly recommended. I, I really enjoyed it. I actually listened to it twice in the last two days. And it's it's a really enjoyable book. So I would say listen to that. That's that's a solid recommendation, and you definitely won't regret it. And that's just a brief Berg's Book Club. Interesting. I hope I hope Emily doesn't pick this up and then starts using it on me so she can buy whatever the hell she wants. That would suck. Uh, so actually, like, I'm thinking about my job and, like, where that could be applicable in, in, in tech sales and things like that. So I might have to pick that up myself. Um, the psychology thing of it, I think actually is the most interesting part. Like, do you, does he tell you like you can identify what type of person you're talking to pretty quickly and then you can use those tactics or what? Yeah. So, uh, that, so there, there's basically three types of, of negotiators that basically what he boils it down to is there's three different types um, there's an analytic and he like super analytical negotiators. So he talks about how to deal with folks that are like that. Um, there's accommodative negotiators. Um, and he talks about kind of the ins and outs of, and he says most people are accommodative. And then there's assertive negotiators that are more of like the looking to really drive a deal and derive a lot of self-satisfaction from driving deals and getting things done. And so he talks about how to approach all three and basically says that pretty much every human falls into one of those three categories. Huh. But he also talks, yeah, from a, from an inherent behavioral characteristics as human beings that we all have. Um, he talks about, uh, there, there are a couple different uh, psychological terms, but the, the different biases that we, that we have in our subconscious and talks about how to leverage those in, in negotiation situations. So uh, when it comes to like the, the term anchoring or loss aversion or framing, and those are different, different, um, methods you could essentially leverage to get people to essentially side with whatever you're trying to get done. That's, so that's pretty cool. It's yeah, it's it's really cool and and uh, and it's funny because listening to it, you're like, he identifies and in a pretty eloquent manner things that you've kind of always subconsciously knew to be true, but never could really put your finger on. Like, oh yeah, he just defined you know what this concept is, and you've never really seen it done that way before. So um, it's it's really it's a really easy listen. And like I say, it goes pretty quick and, and you'll probably want to listen to it again. So highly recommended. That's great. When you, so you listened, um, on audible probably, is that what you listened yeah. to? Yeah. 
Do you listen? Yep. Do you speed up in, at all on Audible, or do you listen at like one one times or one point two five or like even faster? So it depends. I uh, so I always listen to podcasts, and so I've got pretty good at listening to things quickly and still being able to like soak in the information. So on a book, depending on the type of the book and the, the density of it, maybe I'll I'll tune it up to one point five. Um, the second time through this book, I, I went to two point five. Uh, oh, because wow. I knew the things. And then when I got to like different spots that I really wanted to listen to again, there were quite a few of them. Then I'd slow it down to one and take notes and like, and listen a little more deeply. Yeah. But, uh, but like for the stories and some other things, I was able to kind of cruise through at a quicker pace. Oh, that's and great. heaven knows I have a lot of alone time. So <laughs> it's uh pretty easy to bust through a couple books pretty quickly throughout a week. <laughs> <laughs> On those walks, right? Uh, funny story. Walks, gotta Me, get it in. Uh, em and I were driving down Legacy Highway. And we see this dude walk in. Uh, there's like a little trail that's right next to the highway. And we see this dude walk in. And Emily's like, that's Colby. And I'm like, what the heck is he doing? It's like 3 o'clock right now. Uh, what is he doing out? And then it's just it's just funny. It's it's funny that I see you in, in real life just doing your thing and living your life, man. Um, also, got to gotta retract my joke about Emily. You know, spend, she can spend money because uh, she's a rock star and she's been working through pregnancy. She has a full-time job. So, Emily, don't be mad at me. Uh, I love you so much. You're you're the queen. You're the goat. You're the, you're everything. Um, so I'm gonna check out that book. Hopefully, uh, I'm in the middle of a fantasy book right now. Hopefully, I can get through that quick and then uh, start applying some more day to day type things to my reading time. Um, so one thing I think we want to talk about, Kolb, and it's something that we normally do not talk about in public, and that's more in the political realm. And I think we both do that. And most of our friends do this just out of respect of, we don't think we don't really believe that social media for one thing really shouldn't be a platform for expressing your political opinions or maybe every once in a while is fine, but not just constantly like berating people online about what you believe and what you think is right. Uh, I think we're true believers in everyone has their right to believe uh, in ideologies and things like that uh, the way they want to. Uh, Would you say that's, that's fair. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know, mostly because with some things you can like say with certain and like with like sports opinions, this and that, those are even annoying to see because a lot of times you see people that are like pretty uninformed sharing their sports opinions online. And then, but at the same time you realize, oh, like, you know, whatever, good for them. But like with politics, yeah, it's kind of a, there's, there's an extra level of sensitivity there. And so, and I generally don't have a whole lot of public comment on politics because I don't want to be the guy that like I'll come out and say right now I have zero answers I just have a lot of questions but I think the the discourse of asking questions and seeing what other people think and I'm never trying to I I will never say that I know that this is the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do I think you know that there are certain things that probably have a greater likelihood of being right and a greater likelihood of being wrong Um, and there's some of it is a little more black and white and others a lot more gray so yeah I mean we have we have text conversations and I love our group text because a lot of it is like, you know, what about this or what about that? And it's all, it's all built upon like ha- having everybody's knowledge improve and like contribute in a way that's actually productive instead of argumentative. And I think it's fun. So, I, you know, I think, and it's, it's kind of a tricky thing, like publicly on a podcast, because again, I don't want people to think I have all the answers because I really don't have any. In fact, I've tried to stay away from politics just in general because I feel like 
so much of it is biased and left-leaning or right-leaning, but the more I've kind of learned a little bit, especially with this election coming up, um, and as I've kind of developed my own beliefs just about things in general, um, it's been kind of fun to, to talk a little yeah. bit about you know, different things. Yeah, and I think one thing about us talking about politics on here is uh, we definitely don't have all the answers, and this is us just trying to get things out on the table as we try to wade through the, you know, the waters of what the issues are, what we believe, and we're trying to just understand it ourselves. And we're just having a conversation that's not so candid anymore uh, about it. So uh, I don't think we're going to be like, you're right or wrong through this entire segment. Uh, we're just going to kind of say what's going on, what we think, our thoughts on certain issues and things like that. And we don't want anyone to think we're trying to like convince you or anything. We just, um, I don't know. I think there is a problem where politics has such a bad connotation that, you know, people like our generation or even anyone at this point anymore, it's such a negative environment and such a toxic environment that it's off putting and people don't put in research. They don't, you know, do their diligence to understand what's going on. They just kind of either vote by the party that they've always been a part of, or they vote by uh, what they see off my Facebook posts, whether they're real or they're false. And it, it, it's creating kind of some sort of, you know, really toxic, toxic environment. And I think we want to avoid that. Uh, but this really kind of started with listening to a couple podcasts. Um, uh, Joe Rogan, I listened to a Ben Shapiro one. Uh, both had Andrew Yang on, Yang Gang, hashtag Yang Gang 2020. Um, <laughs> super interesting guy. Uh, there was also a Bernie Sanders episode, but Berg, uh, I kind of want you to kind of talk about uh, what you learned or uh, did any opinion change on these two or uh, not a lot of people know about Andrew Yang yet. I, I, he's starting to kind of get a little bit of notoriety, but uh, what, what what did you think about you know what they had to say and uh, things like that? Yeah, great question. So I I was uh, I thought they were super interesting. Um, one thing that's cool about Rogan's podcast is it's not because it's not a debate. Um, it allows people to not feel rushed into what they want to say, and so they don't feel like they have to drop like headline type commentary. They can actually bring some nuance to the things that they wanted to share. And so yeah. Um, you know, first for for a long time, you know, we you hear about the universal basic income, and that's one of uh, Yang's main platforms. Um, Andrew Yang, he he's for those of you that don't know, he's running under the Democratic uh, Party, and he is basically he's he's a, an entrepreneur. He started a few different businesses, um, and has been mainly engaged in helping people develop business and really thrive from the entrepreneurship mentality. And then as he was moving along and, and helping people um, in entrepreneurship, he began to realize that there's been a major shift in the outlook of, of jobs and how a lot of things are moving towards um, uh, automation and whether it's truck drivers, whether it's farming and a bunch of other different things. And ultimately he, long story short, has kind of developed his platform on, on what he calls the freedom dividend, where everybody receives, every human, or every, excuse me, every citizen receives $1,000 a month, whether 18, you're Jeff. 18 or older, right? 18 or older, yep. 18 or older, whether you're Jeff Bezos or me or you or whoever, you get you get $1,000 a month. Now, that, that's qualified if you're already getting food stamps equaling like $750 a month, or if you're getting some other government benefit that's maybe like 1200 a month already, then you 
like if you're getting 750 already from government benefits, you would only get an additional $250. And then if you're getting some other benefit that exceeds a thousand, then you actually don't get one. Right. So ultimately that's his plan. And what, what he says is that, you know, getting an extra $12,000 a year isn't enough. Of course, like it's, it's not, it's not going to supplement a job, but what it does is one, it gives you a little more, um, freedom to maybe take chances. Like if you, if you are like an entrepreneur, um, to be able to, to have a little more stability and, and he, he believes it'll improve the creativity and the willingness to take chances for people that are, you know, maybe, maybe worried about, of course, that would be worried about providing for their families or things. So it's a little bit of a, a stipend there. Um, and it also, he believes it to be a way to really, you know, ultimately stimulate economies um, in cities, both large and small, that might be drying up because of, for automation. For instance, you know, he highlighted a bunch of cities throughout the Midwest that are mainly based on either that the, their incomes and their economies are based on factories um, that are now are being displaced by obviously robots or truck drivers. Believe it or not, there's like five. I can't remember the number used, 5 million truck divers in the world. And now as we see um, Amazon and a few other companies developing, you know, driverless trucks, that those jobs are going out of business. So that means less people are stopping at truck stops and less people are shopping along Main Street, yada, yada, yada. And so ultimately by giving people $1,000, that's enough to get them to actually, you know, keep those businesses open because it's going to stimulate the economies and people keep spending money because they actually have money to spend. I know that's kind of a long-winded thing, but uh, it was uh, it's it's pretty interesting. We can kind of dive in. What do you think about that? Uh, one thing I really do like about Yang is his approach to this stuff. He's really more trying to hedge uh, the future, right? So he's he's not necessarily looking at the problems that we're facing today, but he's seeing these automations and and the AI and everything where they're going to be able to make. Uh, computers or robots or whatever you want to call it do more jobs and take more jobs away from people and and he doesn't blame businesses for it because he understands it's going to be more effective and more efficient but he wants to be able to kind of hedge uh the landing for those people who are going to lose those jobs so i kind of i really like his approach to that i also like how he explains the dividends kind of funny he kind of explains it as the united states economy is kind of like uh, a business we all own because we're all a part of it and he's like, I own stocks and I get dividends from them. Why can I got not get dividends from the economy that I'm a part of as well? So he kind of explains it as a return on your investment uh, into the economy, which is, is pretty nice. Um, so he and Elon Musk talk about how some sort of basic universal incomes is going to have to happen one one day sooner or later. Uh, my biggest concern on this is where the money's going to be coming from. He talks about right. closing loopholes for companies like Amazon and those, those huge tech companies that are, are finding loopholes so they don't have to pay any federal tax right now. Uh, he's talking about closing those loopholes. Uh, I'd like to see kind of like where it's drawn out and where the money's coming from. But I, I kind of do like the idea uh, somewhat of, you know, it makes sense like the – well, the way he explains it's really good, and it makes sense on like being able to stimulate like local economies and things like that. Uh, you're throwing in a thousand dollars to a person who might not go buy something from, say, like a bakery that's local, and now uh, he will, you know, go or he or she will go spend that money there, or they're not so worried about, uh, you know, 
if they have a thousand dollars they're not so worried about having to like scrape by for bills maybe we can actually start that business that we've always wanted to start i'm a big believer in uh mom and pop shops and things like that i think they're really cool and really great for the country to kind of keep that around and it, it might be a fight against these huge corporations that are kind of uh become really prevalent and really run how the country is ran um so i like to see some sort of change in that um I like Yang's demeanor. He seems like a really cool guy. He seems really down to earth. Seems like he knows uh, who to talk to and who who he's addressing these issues to. I find out that he's been hanging out uh, in the Midwest for the past like year now. Uh, really interesting and really strategic because that's really where the Democrats lost uh, in 2016. Is uh, Trump did a lot of campaigning there because things like people were losing jobs and stuff like that. He made promises to people and he got their votes in a lot of swing states that people weren't expecting to go um, to the right side of things. Right being uh, not 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 my political opinion, thinking that's the right or meaning you know the right side of the aisle. Um, so, you know, he's been really smart. I know he, he bumped Beto O'Rourke out of the next... Uh, yeah. Is is it the next um, debate? Is that what he kind of... Yep. Yeah, so he's, he's think, moving up so. in the polls. Um, Beto was a guy maybe in 2018 that people were thinking might make a run for it. So um, he's, he's, he's gaining steam. I like how he's not affiliated to a party like a career politician, which is nice. Um, there's a few things that Yang at least has my ears popped up about. You know, he's he's piqued my interest for sure. Yeah, definitely. He's just he just seems super rational and of course like as a disclaimer, I'm not I'm not saying I'm voting for Yang or anything like that by any means, but right, I just thought it was it was one of those things that as of late it, it is it, I think like no one's everybody kind of knows what Bernie's running for. Everything everybody knows about Trump, everybody knows about, you know, some of the other, you know, Biden and some of the other democratic uh, candidates, but I think, you know, learning about about Yang is is something that's cool because a lot not a lot of people know about him and it's one of those things where I think he does have some interesting things to share. And, and for the longest time, one of my things has always been, you know, like a kind of in a way almost anti, you know, handouts because uh, for, you know, different experiences that I've had with people that are actually taking advantage of the system. I felt like I knew, you know, uh, living in Texas for a little while, not, not uh, shout love Texas. Um, but when I was talking to a lot of people in the streets and knocking on their doors and even in California, I, I saw that a lot of people I, – I felt like I saw more people taking advantage of the system that, than actually um, you know, people that were fully capable of getting a job would right. be applying for unemployment because you know, they, they said it was easier than actually working. And they said that. And that always could, kind of put a bad taste in my mouth because I know obviously unemployment is great for the people that are sincerely, honestly looking and need it and along with all the other um, you know, programs that the government has. And so for a long time, I've always kind of been naturally against – something like you know free money because you know i've always you know as as lame as it sounds as cheesy as it sounds you always believe in you know working hard and finding a way and you know kind of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps type thing but the more i've i've thought about and i still do believe that and i think that's that's super important and that's kind of why i like that it's only a thousand dollars because it's not like people can just you know not do anything um and and still live off twelve thousand but you, you drive down Layton main street or main street in Kaysville and you see all the all the you know cool shops that used to be there when we were growing up through high school they've all closed mm -hmm. and it's kind of a ghost town and it's interesting to think like okay well if everybody in this city had an extra thousand dollars to spend in fact you almost think it would be more of a stimulus and be able to bring some of those mom and pop shops back and i just think it's you know in that way it'd be it'd be cool and 
Um, yeah, and a lot of the way, like I say, it's not necessarily coming out of taxpayers' pockets. It would be, and in, in a way, obviously there would be a there would be an effect on companies like Amazon because they are able to stash so much of their cash away. So I think initially that potentially could impact their stock if they actually have to start paying taxes because that'll affect their balance sheet and their earnings will go down and all that other. You know, there are definitely some ramifications for you know getting a hold of some of that money that's been stashed overseas and and some things like that. So there's definitely consequences there and where people feel like oh yeah that's too much of a consequence to um you know to actually pull the triggers kind of up for debate right because how many people are going to start spending money more money on amazon because you know not only the mom and pop shops but also spend it at amazon if they get an extra thousand a month and so for sure from a stimulus point of view you think it might be a decent idea if they can uh if they do it right right and then you got to look at it too if like that tax money does come from you know we're using amazon as as an example, just because it's a known fact they didn't pay any federal tax and they're a mon- they're they're an absolute juggernaut right now. Um, Bezos is the richest man in the world, yada yada. But like you say, you know, like we tax them, we tax them more, where they get taxed federally. And but like you said, that money is going to be coming back to them too through people spending that money. So it could be a pretty. Uh, it's an interesting thing to chew on, uh, something for people to th- to think about. Um, one thing that Yang brought up, and then we're going to say, I want to segue to Bernie just for one second, just because we there was that other podcast with Joe Rogan. Feel the burn, uh, baby. With Bernie. Um, so one thing that was interesting is how Yang talks about, I don't know if this is on Shapiro or Rogan, but he talks about how his friends in the media were basically told, kill Bernie, right? Because he's running against Hillary and that whole, the DNC thing where like all that stuff leaked about how... Uh, they sabotaged Bernie versus Hillary because they wanted her to be the candidate, yada, 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 or whether or not she wanted to be the candidate or if she was pulling the strings, yada, yada. That was, that was four years ago. We don't need to talk about that now. Um, but being able, so why I'm saying this is because the media kind of throws Bernie out to be this crazy progressive socialist, uh, basically a communist. If you listen to like Fox news or more the the more conservative side of, uh, the media, but what was interesting is Bernie being able to sit there and just, you know, talk about his things is he's not as extreme as, I mean, he is extreme if you're a more conservative person, but he's not as extreme as the media made him out to be. Um, one thing that I will say about Bernie, and I've always said this, I've said this in our text message group and, and everything is I feel like Bernie truly thinks that he is a public servant and not a politician, that he's not playing the game like everyone else. He, I think he's one of the few who, who truly thinks his ideas and what he's doing is uh, he's fighting for the American people and what he thinks is best. And that's something I'll, I'll respect him for always. Um, just in terms of like, as a man, Bernie, I respect you. Um, I think it was his big thing. I think is a big topic is the, uh, the blanket relief for student loans, kind of getting rid of student loans for everyone and then making college or, or universities free for everyone as well. Um, obviously, I I, I kind of like. I we can we can really get into this, or we could really brush on it, and we've kind of been going along, so maybe we should more brush on it. I think uh, the way universities are now, they're way too expensive. Um, I think we could definitely at least lower the cost of tuition, um, and then you know, there's kids who do have to take on a crazy amount of student debt, which is just. I mean, we think about doctors and things like that. You hear horror stories about how they carry this like $300,000 worth of student loans basically through their entire lives. Um, so what's your thoughts, Berg, on kind of giving a relief to 
student people who are carrying those types of student loans and then uh, whether or not like you know you know college should be free or maybe we can do something to make it a little bit cheaper again this is something that maybe like if there was a thousand dollars to every person these young 18 year olds who turn 18 could use it for college or something like that but uh, what are your thoughts kind of on bernie's platform there yeah man so i'm gonna tread lightly here because for the for the longest time and again i'm getting i don't have any of the answers these are just questions and things that that run these are the thoughts that run through my head um i'm definitely it's it's clear that college costs are a problem like it's monopoly like the way that textbooks you know that are going to be used for six months one semester right. or, you know 350 dollars, and you know it's it's pretty much straight extortion and you know semester colleges are, are charging a ton and <sighs> i think how do i put this so at so one side of me thinks again uh like, hey, these college kids like kind of know what they're getting themselves into. Like, they know that there's, you know, hey, if I'm if I'm gonna do this, there's gonna be a significant amount of debt, and so the, the, there's an inherent part of me that says, you know, hey, like in the same sense that yeah, it'd be nice for me to, ah, ah, man, how do I put this? It's it's if you know what you're getting yourself into, you should have you should have kind of a game plan of how you're going to pay it off, and you should accept it. Like knowing, like okay, if I'm going to be a doctor, like I'm going to have this much, which means I'll have this much paid off by this time. And like I've always been one to be pretty pretty cautious and pretty forward looking with with my you know debts and expenses and things like that. And I think that it could be dangerous just to put a blanket forgiveness on people that have taken out too much in loans. And I think there's just because you know people are gonna, uh, it, I, I think I think it could be dangerous. At the same time, I realize that you know there are doctors that you know are in their forties or fifties, and I don't know what their situations are. I don't know if they've done a poor job at paying off their loans or if they've structured them incorrectly to where it's dragging out longer than would necessarily be the case. Um, but for a long time, I've been kind of against a blanket wipe of of all student debt and making college free um, because I feel like. You know, if, if there's something that you want, you should find a way to do it. For instance, um, you know what I mean? Like that's why, you know, summer sales is good because it helped me pay for college. You know, different things like that where like and, – and again, I don't I don't know if that's I, – I come – you know, I'm a white kid coming from a pretty privileged situation to where, um, you know, whether my, my work pays for part of school or whether I can, you know, have a side job that pays enough to pay for school if I need to do that. You know, things like that can happen whereas other people might not be in that situation. And so I, I get that, that, that maybe not everybody could do that. But at the same time, you know, I think it's, um, I don't know if I'm conveying my point correctly because I, I do feel like college costs are out of control and there needs to be something to be done. Now, one thing I thought was intriguing was how Bernie says he was going to pay it off because I always said, you know, how are they going to actually, you know, that's, I can't remember the number, some trillion or billion dollar, I can't remember what it is, yeah. of debt, like, where's that going to come from? And he said it's going to come from, uh, what do you say, the speculative tax on Wall Street. Yeah, and this is something I so wanted to ask you because I don't quite understand it probably as well as you do. So if you can kind of you know explain this a little bit more, that'd be great. Yeah, and before I before I do that, I'm just gonna say on that last part, like I don't know exactly how I feel about the blanket wiping. I'll say that, but I I, I definitely have thought it out a lot, and I think that it would go a long way for a lot of people and, and do a lot of good. Um, for a lot of people, so I'll say that. But yeah, so uh, speculative tax on Wall Street from what I was getting at. So anytime, whether 
you're, if, if you want to buy a stock, like let's say you want to buy Apple stock or Facebook stock or any kind of stock, if you buy one share of Apple stock, maybe it's trading at, I don't know, $145. If you're going to buy that stock, there's a cost to buy it. So you pay the $145 that the stock is worth, plus right now to hold it in an account and to buy it, generally the industry average is like $4.95. So to buy that stock, you pay the $145, which is what it's trading at on Wall Street, plus you pay a transaction cost of $4.95. So you're paying $149 and you know, 50 cents or whatever it is, whatever the transaction fee, or $149 and 95 cents um, is what the standard would be. So 145 plus the 495. So that 495, it sounds like Bernie's saying is, is charging half a percent or something like that. So instead of paying 495, you'd pay $4.98 for the stock. And that three cents above the 495 is the tax that would go to help pay down student loans. And in Wall Street, obviously, Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of trades are done every single day, and so over time that three cents builds up, and you know ultimately would end up going towards that. So, you know, initially I was thinking, and and I don't know for sure if that's exactly what he's proposing, but that's that's the I'm like ninety five percent sure, and that wouldn't actually be from a it wouldn't have a huge impact on trading because. You know, in the past, even two years ago, like the common cost was about six dollars and ninety-five cents to make that same transaction. Now it's four ninety-five. So, tacking an extra three cents on there isn't a bad way to go. And I, I don't think anyway. I don't think that would necessarily affect the stock market in any material way. And so, I was actually, I thought that was if you're going to come up with a way to raise that kind of money, that wouldn't be a bad way to do it. And I think. The way that I would uh, approach it is, and again, this is just kind of off the cuff. You know, I, there'd be some sort of, uh, I don't know. They find some way to prorate the, the, the loan forgiveness, and some of it would have to probably be a little bit merit based, um, as far as you know, people that are working. I don't know. I, I haven't fully decided. I haven't developed my opinion, so I'm not going to put it all out there. But I think that. I th- I think that's moving in the right direction, and you know most importantly, it'd be nice if we could just limit college costs and and give everybody kind of a a fair shot. Because if we want to have qualified doctors, if we want to have people that are going to contribute to society in those high skilled professions, you can't eliminate people because again, if they're going to say there's no way I can pay this back, I mean that's ultimately going to have a huge negative impact on our society. So there's got to be a way to to have people that aspire to be doctors and change the world in that kind of way to be able to have them be able to pay that and get it done um, without such an exorbitant cost because I feel like we'll feel the pain on the back end. So the, there's some there's some happy medium in there somewhere, and right. I think the biggest part is bringing down college costs. Sorry that was a long, <laughs> a long no, thing. No, it's good. I, I think that's one thing too a lot of people um... – either don't realize or maybe are are pretty extreme maybe i'm wrong in this in this opinion but a lot of the times the answer somewhere in the middle right like these two extreme sides are fighting and then the most realistic possibility is somewhere in the middle so keep that in mind um yeah so that that was a nice little uh political pondering we just had uh we can probably it's funny you could really talk about politics all day um we're not going to do that to you (laughs) we don't want people to get bored and like stop listening or anything but Really, um, Berg, is there anything else we want to talk about today? No, I think, you know, 
uh, we appreciate everybody for listening. We're about an hour and 15 minutes in, maybe a little bit less. And this is one of those podcasts that's a little more, you know, we're being a little more vulnerable with the things that we have to share. And so we, we appreciate your feedback. And, you know, on the political side of things, like I'd encourage people to go listen to the Joe Rogan interviews with um, the different po- po- politicians that come on or even when Ben Shapiro interviews them because they really get a chance to explain themselves. And I felt like I learned a ton. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not, I'm not necessarily leading one way or another, but if you can fill up your, your brain with as much actual knowledge as possible on this stuff, it, it, you know, it helps make the conversation go a little bit better than just watching like Fox news and CNN and, and yeah. you know, the pendulum swings from one way or the other. So I think some of these unbiased news outlets are a great way to do it. And, uh, yeah, like I said, appreciate everybody for listening and we'll have some more stuff coming down the pipeline shortly, but, uh, let us know what you think. And, Kurt, what, what's next on your agenda? What you got going on this weekend? Uh, I just want to give a quick plug to uh, political. one more political thing. Uh, go to isidewith.com once you kind of get some understanding of uh, what you believe and what you think you believe or, or what you what you want to see happen. Uh, they actually have a pretty uh, comprehensive quiz where I will ask you questions. It's They're yes or no, and then there's see other answer responses. I would click the see other responses because then you could put stipulations on these things that aren't necessarily yes or no questions. And once they're done, once it's done, it kind of shows you uh, who you align with as a politician. So it's a really nice uh, way to kind of understand what's going on and maybe who you should start aligning yourself with, or maybe even understand what you believe in some of these questions and things like that. Um, in terms of this weekend, Kolb, uh, my shout out to my little brother-in-law, uh, Nate Bannery. He is turning 14. So I think we're going to go do a fun little, um escape room or something like that on saturday uh hopefully tonight i can kind of watch the team usa game um sunday no idea what's going on yet um hopefully get outside before the summer's over what about you dude i'm going up uh so as you know we have a cabin yes yeah up uh up near smith and morehouse so the fam and i and uh some of the aunts and uncles and cousins stuff we're gonna go hang out uh i'll probably go up tomorrow morning that'll be fun dude i love yeah. Uh, I'm not going to, I honestly don't even want to say the Canyon because it's our little piece of paradise. It's starting to get a little busy up there, but, uh, it's beautiful. Utah is beautiful. Uh, be outside as much as you can, everybody. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. All right. This has been the thoughts inside of our head in the most true and, uh, un- unfiltered way possible. And, uh, go team USA. I'm wearing my USA tank top right now, LFG. And uh, we'll talk to everybody soon. Thanks, Kurt. Thanks, Berg. Have a good one, everybody. Have a great weekend.